Slayer.com presents Two Cents Worth, a podcast on B2B sales and entrepreneurship. The one podcast that's not afraid to discuss real sales strategies with real entrepreneurs that produce real results. Here's your host, James Harper. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to the Two Cents Worth Podcast. I'm your host, James Harper. Today's episode, we're going to talk about how we can get more strategic and more smart, frankly, uh, with our sales sequences. Um, In the cold outreach world, it's no secret that you need to have a process and some sort of sequence when it comes to your follow-up that you should be following uh, because we all know money's in the follow-up and and cold outreach. Uh, follow-ups really what creates uh, the engagement that we need and the spark that we need to hopefully create a cold contact, warm them up, sell the meeting, and move them forward in our pipeline. But right now in the outreach world, I'm seeing a ton of uh, sequencing that's just really hard um, to measure and to monitor because uh, it almost feels like the more sequencing we do um, should be the better uh, or should produce a better result when frankly uh, that's not always the case. Um, I really got to kind of tip my hat to um, our VP of sales, Angel Sandoval here at Agency Flare because he really realized among our sequencing that we were putting a lot of effort forward and not always getting um, the return that we needed and frankly that we we thought we would be seeing. So um, when you don't see a result, sometimes it's in our nature to double down and do more, create more effort, get more outreach out there, uh, maybe do more of something else, send more emails. Maybe we need to dial more. We need better data. We need more data. We need more, 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 more. Um, As humans, we do have a disease of wanting more always. And in the cold outreach world, it's a really easy thing to kind of follow because, hey, if we hit more people, maybe we get more response. But more response isn't actually what we should be going for. Better response is what we should be going for uh, always. And I think that really comes down to how are we being or how are we implementing our sequences, but before we even implement, are we being strategic and smart with our sequencing and our follow-up? Now, I'm not here to talk about um, the importance of follow-up. We all know money's in the follow-up. We know that 48% of salespeople never follow up. So just by sending one additional email or calling one more time or sending one follow-up LinkedIn in mail, you are out beating half of the cold salespeople out there. There's a lot of SDRs that just, you know, turn and burn. We know this. But if you're listening to this podcast, my bets are you already do really good follow-up, and that's not the question. The question is, how do we get more out of the follow-up we're already putting out there? So I've really taken this lesson from a lesson of our own sequencing and our our own strategy when it was kind of hitting a wall and bumping up against that ceiling and pivoting and seeing what we've done differently, which has ended up in producing a better result. The first one I want to, um, the first point here I want to put out there is how quickly do you move on? 
So we know follow-up's important, but are you moving on after the second touch point? Are you moving on after the eighth touch point? And I'll be the first to admit it. Following up eight to 12 times, uh, saying that out loud sounds crazy. And then when you're actually doing it can uh, seem a little bit aggressive. Uh, But we have to remember that follow-ups can be very subtle. Let me kind of give you an example. If I email a prospect list of, let's say, 100 people and they don't respond to my first email, it's pretty standard now that we go ahead and we send a second follow-up email. There's two touch points right there. My question to you is, outside of email, what other channels are you using to um, follow up with that person or to engage them in your sequence. A follow-up to me and just kind of becoming visible to a prospect and adding another touch point to your sequence can be very subtle like, okay, I've just emailed this person twice. Now I'm going to send them a LinkedIn request. Maybe I don't put anything in the note on LinkedIn, but they're putting a face to the name, they're seeing my face, they're uh, seeing my name again, I'm becoming visible, and we actually add that as a touch point within our sequence, and we know that that's bringing a sense of awareness and familiarity into a cold process, which is absolutely critical. So how quickly are you actually moving on from a cold prospect? I've heard from a lot of people in the sales world that if they're cold calling specifically and they're calling a list and they get a voicemail, they move on. Why are we not recycling those voicemails and seeing if we can't hit that person at a different time or maybe following up with an email mentioning, hey, we left you a voicemail. Um, When's a good time to reach you or is email a better way to communicate with you? Um, and versus just moving on because we got a voicemail. So automatically we assume as callers that they don't want to hear from us or they're not available or it's just bad data. It's a bad lead when realistically that's not the case. A lot of people just don't answer their phone the first time, especially with an unknown person calling. And then when you call back with a voicemail, um, and the same number, Uh, odds are pickup rates go up. That's just statistically proven. But all too often, we move forward uh, because we don't want to waste time just leaving voicemails. It can feel like a redundant effort that doesn't produce anything. But again, that's adding another step to our sequence of familiarity. Just them hearing our voice and maybe picking up our voice message. Also knowing that that translates into an email a lot of times that's transcribed. Um, So how quickly are you moving on? Is it four touch points? Is it eight touch points? Is it 12 touch points? And then realizing that the touch points can be very subtle and those add up quickly. Just like I mentioned, we email a list of 100 people. There's our first touch point. We send them a secondary follow-up email, which is standard. There's our second touch point. We connect with them on LinkedIn. There's our third touch point. They accept our request on LinkedIn. We send them uh, in mail that mentions the two previous emails and ask the question, is LinkedIn a better, um, platform for us to maybe communicate on initially? All of a sudden we're at four to five touch points right there. And we haven't even really gotten aggressive or we don't seem overbearing with any type of outreach to these people. What does seem overbearing is when you get the three emails in a seven day time span with somehow an automated text that, feels and looks and and sounds very automated because it is and then you get the uh 
one-off ringless cold call um, that they're referring to, um, their emails that they've sent you that you've ignored, and this all hits you within a span of five to seven days. That feels aggressive. So then the question comes, what's the timing of your sequence? It's pretty easy to follow up with a cold prospect eight times in a 30-day period when you're using multiple channels like LinkedIn, the phone, and email, and you're using those multiple channels at least twice. I mean, if you do the math here, sending two emails is pretty easy to do. If you want to uh, consider a subtle um, request on LinkedIn, uh, part of your sequence and then an end mail and then maybe a follow-up to that end mail if you don't get a response you're already at five touch points right there and you haven't even picked up the phone so realistically it's very easy to get to eight touch points in a 30-day time frame um, if we're being smart and strategic about our follow-up and then I want to ask you what type of value do you bring once contact is made now, this is a very hard question to answer, especially in the cold outreach world, because we have limited time to speak with prospects. Uh, let me give you an example here, uh, maybe to put some context to, to the point I'm trying to make, is if you get uh, a cold call, or if you uh, do a cold call and you get a gatekeeper, and they talk about okay, this sounds good, Bob's not in town right now, he's on vacation, why don't you send Bob an email? In our last episode, episode 44, we talked about how this is one of the most common objections out there. If you get this objection, let's use this as an opportunity and let's use this as an opportunity to really show some value to Bob. One, we have to understand who Bob is. We have to understand our prospects. We have to understand their pain points and we have to understand their perspective. Where are they at in life? Where are they at within the day? Where are they at within their own business season right now? Is it their busy season? Is uh, business good for them? Is it bad for them? What type of solution are you bringing to the table? How can you help them? Again, it's all about them when we're reaching out. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about your number. Throw that all out the window. So when we're sending that follow-up email to Bob because we got it from his gatekeeper through a call, one, we need to acknowledge that this is still a cold email, but we have a little bit of permission here because Bob's assistant or his gatekeeper whomever gave us the email. Let's reference that. Hey, Bob, I'm emailing you because Stacy or Jason gave me your information and suggested that emailing you first is the best way to get a hold of you. I'm emailing you because I believe you, again, you statements, um, will find this interesting. Now we need to be a value. And it's really hard to be a value right off the bat when someone still doesn't really know who you are. So what type of value do you bring in a very concise, short amount of time? It's a very hard thing to uh, convey, um, but it's one that we all need to be considering. I can tell you that um, when we're reaching out to our ideal prospects uh, for dayporter.com, which is the new formulation of our agency here at Agency Flare, um, we reach out to commercial cleaners. I know exactly now the value we bring to commercial cleaners when it comes to their sales process. And I know really what motivates them. I know their pain points, I know all of that. So we're going to talk about uh, their sales uh, process, lack thereof. Um, I'm gonna talk to um, how I know that moving deals quickly is more motivating to them. 
And then I also know managing their sales pipeline is a pain in the ass. So we're going to speak to that right off the bat. We're going to call out those pain points. It's because we understand our prospect. So for you, once you do get a little bit of permission or you do have some sort of opportunity within your sequence to engage with your prospect, what type of value are you bringing? And again, value not in terms of a pitch, in terms of um, what you can sell them, but value into what can you do for them that's going to help them right now that will give them some reason to listen to you longer, that gives them some sort of trust that, hey, maybe the salesperson does know what they're talking about. Maybe the salesperson does have good intention in mind. And you know what? I'm going to actually schedule a meeting. In the cold outreach world, guys, we have to remember it's not about our product. It's not about our service. It's about pushing it forward to the next meeting because the sale actually happens in set meetings, intentional meetings, not in the initial cold outreach pitch. And I think a lot of times um, we want the one call close. We want the grand slam cold email. And those can happen, but those are really one-offs. So we need to be focused on really the value we're bringing, how we're moving them to the next step within our sequence. And then once we're engaging with them, how can we actually move them to a qualified meeting and then really learn and discover if we can help these people. And then if at that point, uh, they should be a client of ours and then we're actually going to propose a solution to them. So I really want to just challenge everyone listening right now um, to reevaluate your sequencing right now. How does it feel? How does it look from the outside looking in? And really, what success are you seeing from your sequencing? And if you're hitting your head on a ceiling when it comes to your follow-up, uh, when it comes to your overall sales process, um, just think about how subtle you can be with your follow-up and how valuable you can be in such a short amount of time and maybe think about revising your sequence and your follow-up pattern and see if that brings you different results a b testing is critical in marketing we need to do it more in sales and we need to see um, what works and what doesn't a good mentor of mine used to say you can't manage what you can't measure. So how are you measuring the success of your sales sequencing? Guys, if you like this content, all I'm asking is tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, we're now a top 50 iTunes uh, B2B sales podcast, which that's really credit to you guys. Can't thank you guys enough. Um, so if, if you guys like this, you can always find us at agencyflare.com. Our new kind of business venture is dayporter.com. Um, but like this podcast, rate this podcast, um, subscribe to it, and uh, just really appreciate you guys listening. So till next time, I look forward to seeing how you will get smarter with your sales sequencing.